0: Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money podcast presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, now five podcasts in seven days of the week. Pretty interesting how that works out. Actually, it's more than that, just five different podcasts. Yesterday, I had the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, fun conversation with Jeff Schwartz. Tomorrow, I'll be talking with Andrew Brandt about his Sports Business Hall of Famers and the NFL franchise tag deadline. We also yesterday did the college draft first conference top 10 prospect preview. So check out Emery Hunt talking about what he believes one of the top six conferences in America, the American Conference, breaking down the top 10 players in that conference on yesterday's college draft podcast tomorrow on the fantasy feast podcast. We've got an awesome guest and we're giving away three more spots to the vaunted draft Kings best ball tournament, where you can go toe to toe with me and Joe that rhymes. I just realized that hit me up on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. We are always available at Ross Tucker pod. That's the show's handle. And then of course, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. If you'd like to watch us and get a chance to see what Steve Fezzik actually looks like. Steve Fezzik, of course, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. You check him out on social media at Fezzik Sports. And we're joined today by a buddy of mine. I don't know. I don't think I've had him on this show before, but I've talked to him on other shows a lot. He is a stud when it comes to both betting and fantasy. Dan Bach, the Roto Grinders Director of Media. Check him out on social at Dan underscore Bach. He's got Get a Grip. You can go to scoresandodds.com, rotogrinders.com, sportshandle.com, Dan, that's a lot of websites. What are all these websites?
1: Yeah, we got our hands full in our uh, in our better collective world with uh, all these different properties. But it's fun, you know, the sports betting, just the expansion. We still got fantasy, and uh, it's great to be back with you, Ross, and, and great to finally talk to the legend Fezzik. I've I've only uh, you know obviously known of you for a while, but first time we've ever crossed paths here, and
2: uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, man. Oh, my pleasure is all mine. And Dan, you're uniquely qualified to make money, in my opinion, because the softest betting markets, in my opinion, are the player props. And they're becoming much larger with so many more states legalized and so many more books dealing lines on all the players.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the 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 tricky part is and you know, it probably as well as as many is that uh, the limits sometimes on the props are not great. But if you're in one of these states where you've got a ton of different sports books, it's not impossible to get um, a a decent amount of action down on these player props. And you're right. Playing fantasy has made like betting those markets that much easier. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been fun.
0: Why, Steve, do you believe prop prop bets to be the, the softest market? It's much more difficult to
2: set an accurate number on how many yards a quarterback's going to throw for Ezekiel Elliott just to throw one guy out there. Is he going to – how much – is he going to split time with Pollard this year? What's his usage going to be? If you have information like that, I don't want to give away the store, but, like, one of the things that really is profitable is you have a situation where you're supposed to have a lead back – And he's going to split carries one week with the secondary back. Think how good that is to play the lead back under 90 rush yards. That's probably a 70% bet. You're never going to find a 70% bet in the NBA or the NFL betting a side or a total.
0: That's interesting. And Dan, you are sort of uniquely qualified because you do do both the fantasy stuff and the betting stuff, do you find most of your action ends up being as a result on the props?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, if you look at profitability, if you look at the numbers over the course of the year, it's pretty clear. Like that's, where my bread is buttered. And I think it's a lot of the people who've transitioned from fantasy to betting, that's where they're making a lot of their money. But I like, I mentioned before, there are some challenges with that too, in terms of both getting limited by the books in a lot of places in terms of, and then also the amounts that you can you can actually lay. But I completely agree though, because it, the thing to remember too is um, information, especially when it comes down to player props is everything. And you kind of same thing kind of applies with betting the uh, the NFL draft. Like they're setting lines that they really don't even know, and uh, it's the same kind of goes with props in in regards to one piece of news in the NBA can absolutely swing everything. And these books obviously they try to be proactive and and make those changes quickly, but you can get inaccurate lines, and you can sometimes even find spots where you can middle some of these solid prop numbers between books because there is a lot of differentiation sometimes between the numbers you can find around. So uh it's it's definitely uh very different than just betting the uh you know the totals and and the spreads week to week on games.
0: Very interesting. Um man, so they limit how much you can put down and then if you're good at it, they limit you even more. That's the part that Steve that I think is uh It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like that should be legal, that they can limit you. I know you have issues about that, but it's like you're good at something, so they don't let you do it? You know, there's a
2: book by Ian Anderson called Burning the Tables in Las Vegas, and it talks about, you know, they've been doing this to blackjack players since Thorpe came out with Beat the Dealer, backing them off, telling them they can't play. And so what Ian Anderson talks about is, well, you need camouflage. You can't just be – Joe card counter and play completely to maximize your edge. You need to do things like always take insurance, always stand on 16 versus a 10, always double nine versus a two, even when the count tells you not to on your smaller bets, because it makes you look like you're more a recreational player. And that's what professional uh, handicappers that are betting these fantasy stuff do. It's not unusual. I might go into a book I'm crushing and I might bet every game on the NFL board. I'm not planning on winning betting every game on the board, but my disadvantage playing that is minimal compared to my advantage being able to be being allowed to play the maximum nickel bets across the board on player props.
0: Wow. It's uh it's a complicated web uh that we've woven here. <laughs> um <laughs> Half the people listening right now are like, "Can you just give me some thing I can put <laughs> <We'll get laughs> like, to it, right? All right, so sure. let's do it. Let's start with you, Dan. Um, man, I feel like this has been happening to me a lot, whether oh. it's the fantasy show or here on Even Money. The first bet you want to discuss, Dan, is the Eagles to have the worst record. Now, I am the official preseason television analyst for the philadelphia eagles and i feel like the last few episodes of fantasy Feast, even money people are telling me the, taking the eagles under people are saying that they don't like any of the eagles fantasy guys so what are the odds right now for the eagles to have the worst record i mean the worst record dan in the whole nfl
1: well, I'm seeing 16 to 1 and uh and I really like that number here, Ross. You know, there you got some dog teams. We we know Houston is it pretty much looks like Watson there's a really good chance he's not going to be with them this year. Um and Detroit, the other team that that looks like complete trash out there, but I I'm looking at Philadelphia and there's major red flags and for me it starts with the coaching staff. You know, it's one thing to have a new head coach in Nick Sirianni, like they have, but they also have a first time ever defensive coordinator here in uh, in Jonathan Gannon. So you're talking about two uh, two team leaders here in the coaching ranks with zero experience, a quarterback with very little experience, a defense whose top pass rushers are 32 and 33 years old. They're playing in a division where you've got uh you know arguably the best defense there in Washington, arguably the best offense there in in Dallas and I think uh, a team that actually went out and made some really good moves this off season in New York also getting Saquon Barkley back. So I just feel like uh everything is really against them here in this situation we've seen a lot of these rookie head coaches Freddie Kitchens for example come in and just be completely overwhelmed and over their head and uh, I'm just not into Philadelphia at all and if I can get 16 to 1 and sweat this year for them to lose every single week I'm into that so uh, that's one of my favorite like season-long props that uh, that we can put out there.
0: So, Steve, that's simil- that was basically similar to Eric Eager's argument last week, too, right? Like the amount of uh, change. He, I guess he was talking more about sort of the brain drain, you know, losing Joe Douglas, losing Andrew Barry, losing Doug Peterson, some of the people they've lost. But Eric came on here last week and talked about how he loved the Eagles under, right? Yes, and the Eagles
2: under is catching money. There were some sevens out there. It's down to six and a half for their season win number. I agree with everything Dan said directionally. I endorse that 16-to-1 bet because look at the Eagles' schedule. All of their winnable games are like week 14 on, except for I think they have one game against Detroit where they're a one-point favorite. They're dogs in every game until December other than that game. So they could well be in full rebuild by December. The problem I have, or the, not problem, but concern is, I don't know if Houston's going to win three games this year. So they've got some stiff competition, and Detroit could be god-awful also. So I think you need to build a portfolio fading the Eagles. So play some under seven for season wins. Play some under six and a half, and you can make the 16-to-one bet. To use an analogy, let's talk about Charles Barkley. He was a greatly improved golfer, but he bet that he would finish in the top 70 in the American century golf tournament in Tahoe. He finished 77th. Think about this. Barkley had inside information that his golf game was much better. He still lost. Why? Because he made one bet, a long shot bet on him at 5-1 to one to finish top 70. He should have also bet, hey, Barkley to finish in the top 80 or something to diversify his portfolio. And at the very least, if his handicap's right, he would have made money.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so the problem is when you just make one bet and you go all in on that as opposed to uh, having a little more diversification around the same, around the similar concept, but not something that you can lose by one spot or half a game or whatever the case might be and then lose all of it. Exactly right, and and the, the like I said, it's not a problem, but my
2: only issue with Dan's bet is I love the fact that the Eagles are going to struggle this year, but there are other teams like Detroit yeah. and Houston that I think are going to struggle every bit as much, if not more.
1: And you can probably, I haven't dug in yet, and I'm sure that some places offer them, you could probably find some alternate win totals as well where you could uh, you could get plus odds on them, you know, under five, for example, or under six, and you know that's that's a way to kind of hedge against that situation because I mean Steve's right I mean those teams are trash there, there's no question about it I mean I'm I'm in Jacksonville I'm a Jags fan uh, I'm I'm hoping that that team is improved but you know maybe you've got Houston who could sneak a couple of wins or at least a win there and somewhere along the way but you know sixteen to one's a big number I mean it's it, that's that's a that's a number I'm comfortable laying and feeling like uh, you know if you simmed it out enough times. I think I would be profitable on this bet that that, it would, uh, that they would they would have the worst record.
0: Interesting. Um, it, it's certainly possible, but I, I personally feel like their offensive line and defensive line are too good for that to happen if they stay healthy, if they stay healthy. And, you know, Carson Wentz was by far the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. He led the NFL in sacks and interceptions and didn't play the last four games. I mean, Steve, do the math on that one for me. You lead the NFL in sacks and picks, you don't play 25% of the season? I mean, what are we even talking about? So if Hertz comes in and he's just not the worst quarterback, if he's just the 28th quarterback in the NFL – I, I feel like they win six, seven games. So oh. we'll see. Um, the uh, problem Wilson. is, is
2: that I do have Hurts
0: tied with Wilson as my
2: worst starting quarterback in the NFL going into 2021. Now I get it, Wentz was worse last year, but I would any any reasonable projection based upon body of work that Wentz has done, would put him as a much superior quarterback going forward this year than just for one year that hurts.
0: Man, you are really down on Russell Wilson, Steve. I'm surprised to hear that. Zach Wilson, I know. (laughs) You you said you said I got Uh, you got Hurts and Wilson tied for the worst quarterback. And when I first heard, I was like, Wait, wait, what? It
1: hit my brain for about two seconds. So, and then it quickly realized we got a new a new Wilson for us to uh, to talk about.
0: Yes, we've got. I was like, Oh, Zach Wilson. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. All right, Dan. What about? I mean, Dan. These are these are not good. You got the Bucks under eleven and a half win, the Tampa Bay Bucks, Dan. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously they won the Super Bowl,
1: fine and dandy. They bring everybody back, fine and dandy, and they're the complete opposite of Philadelphia in that regards, where you know they they've uh, you know they've got everything returning, coaching staff, players. uh, Maybe it's just my grudge towards old guys but i am just not buying another year of tom brady being able to pull this off and uh if you look at last season they had a few injuries at the wide receiver position oj howard got a little bit banged up but defensively uh they they remained pretty healthy throughout the year and the schedule this year it's not impossible it's not uh it's not easy by any stretch but even looking back to last season i know that when we do these season-long totals, we're, we're supposed to you know, be forward-looking, not backward-looking. But I still can't get over that they only beat one playoff team all season long last year. I think they had so many things break their way last year that I think 12 wins is too much to predict for them, even with the extra game this season. Um, I think Gronk, I think this is a, a big fallback year for him. I would take under on season-long props on him all over the place. And uh, I just think that, you know, all the breaks that they caught last year, it's hard to have that happen two years in a row. And that's why, you know, I'm under on the bucks this year to, uh, to, to get over that win total.
0: Hey, so Dan, yeah. From where I sit, we're kind of up on a hill. So I can see for like miles in each direction. Yeah. okay, There are, Hundreds of thousands of guys that have been wrong by saying, I think Brady's too old. I think it's over for him. (laughs) I mean, I guess, Steve, if you say that enough years, it'll eventually be right. But it hasn't happened yet, Steve.
2: Yeah, but to quote my cousin Vinny. Remember when he's in the courtroom and he talks about these magic grits that cook themselves in five minutes instead of 15 minutes. I I guess maybe Tom Brady has the magic, um, you know, a fountain of youth that he's never going to regress and suddenly fall off the cliff. Never mind that Kenny Stabler was terrible when he at 40. All right, lifestyle issue, perhaps. But look at Brett Favre, MVP at 40, completely washed up at 42, at some point, it has to happen. it's already happened. Last two years, I think if you look at QBR, Brady was average in New England, like 17. and with Tampa Bay last year, just barely cracked the top 10 in QBR as a quarterback, even with all those weapons. I get it. Now I hear all the continuity. A's hey, had another year. but you know, heading towards 45, I like the Tampa Bay under. Remember, Tampa Bay, though, the narrative. Is they're running it back? They got everybody coming back, all those starters, and that eleven and a half is disappearing. It's popping up to twelve. I think you'll get an under twelve plus one hundred and five if you shop around in September. So wait on that one. Play it right before the season starts. And bottom line is, there's a bias in the season win market. People like to bet overs. If you just shop every single team and bet under on every single team at the right time, you're going to make money betting unders in, in the NFL on season wins. And I would certainly endorse a Tampa Bay under in September once that number inflates even further.
0: The uh, the one thing I would say is I was all in on the Chiefs not winning it last year and not going back-to-back. Because back-to-back, you look at how rarely it's done. And I don't know if they have any bets out there for the Bucks to not win the Super Bowl, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. That would surprise me. What about uh, Dan? Another sixteen to one, just like the Eagles, but instead of the, them to be the worst team, you like Cleveland sixteen to one to win the Super Bowl? I do. Um, you look at
1: their their schedule. Uh, Sharp, uh, Warren Sharp. You know he analyzes the schedule. I think he's got them as the second easiest schedule on the year. And the thing I liked about them last season was that they were able to improve, do well, make the playoffs, and they did it with kind of key injuries. And you look at this team, they've added um some some really big pieces. Like a guy like Jadavian Clowney was not great last year in Tennessee, but I think this is a situation where you don't want him to be your number one. And you've got Miles Garrett who I think another season long prop you could play is defensive player of the year I think he is primed for a monster season this year and then safety Johnny Johnson was a really good pickup that not a lot of people talk about and with Odell Beckham coming back I know that there might be some some questions whether or not that's a huge upgrade whether it's a distraction. Um, dude's an all-pro talent, or at least was at one point in time. I don't think it's a downgrade having him back. And the schedule just sets really well for them. I mean, they're going to be favored. And uh, and I think I have them for, like, 12 games so far this season in, in, in my early projections. And uh, and I just like what I see running it, you know, with, with the coaching staff. Didn't look overwhelmed last season. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Cleveland. And, and Baker Mayfield, like – this is his opportunity to, to earn that, that monster paycheck. And, uh, and I think he's going to do it. I think the Browns are, you know, done being the Browns that we're used to. And I think this is a, a legit team, well-rounded team. And that's what I'm looking for in Super Bowl contenders. Kind of like the Bucks last year where, yeah, they had a, a big-name offensive player there in Tom Brady, but it was their defense is the reason why they won. And I think the same could apply with the Browns this year.
2: Steve? Lots of market support for the Browns. You look at their season win number all the way up to 10.5. So, opened, I believe, 10. All that talent. This is an example, though. I got to say, with this, the sum of the pieces does not equal what it should be for a Cleveland Browns team. Just roster wise, this team's absolutely loaded. And Baker Mayfield, I have as being a top 12 quarterback. That means you should be able to go to the Super Bowl. I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it with the Browns, a team that the Sharps have been back in the last five years, seemingly every week, and collectively have lost. Now, a lot of that was terrible coaching, etc. cetera. My one concern about the Browns, yes, they won 11 games last year. We have spoken about the Pythagorean idea of wins and losses. How many games should you have won? Cleveland got outscored last year. They scored fewer points than their opponents. If they had had a normal amount of luck along the way, they go eight and eight. And now all of a sudden we're getting 30 to one on the Browns instead of half that amount. So that's my only concern.
0: Fair. Uh, let's get to another thing. It's funny, Dan. Um, tomorrow we're going to name three more contestants for the DraftKings best ball against me and Joe Dolan, which I love. I love going against my listeners in any type of competition. I like talking trash. I love best ball format. I love everything about it. I mean, I, I it's awesome. And by the way, people, all you have to do is sign up for any of our sponsors or become a patron. Just do the Warby Parker home try-on thing using the code Ross. And you get a great chance to be named tomorrow. And send me an email, Ross at RossTucker.com. But I know best ball is something you're into as well, Dan.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, season-long fantasy. I think most of our, uh, most of us kind of got our, our chops in that. And then especially in the daily fantasy world, you kind of transition and you lose interest in the season long because it's just too much work where best ball is perfect. It's the best part of a season long draft, which is the draft and you don't have to maintain anything all year long. It basically builds your roster based on the best performers each week. So uh, I absolutely love doing these They're the, I, I hate to, I call them like the, the great time waster or uh if you're sitting on a treadmill and nobody likes to be on a treadmill well, why not draft on a treadmill then you'll keep yourself interested they take about 45 minutes so uh i absolutely love these things but the thing about it is there's a lot of strategy involved in it, and it depends on the league that you're playing. If you're just playing against uh, you, Ross, and, and, and eight of your buddies, you're going to draft things a little bit differently than, say, the uh, the big $3.5 million tournament they have on DraftKings where there's a million in first place. So I love playing the big bucks, and I think the important thing to remember in that is that uh, you really need to build correlation within your teams. If if we're doing a standard season-long league, we're not drafting quarterbacks and wide receivers from the same team. It's not optimal when you're playing head-to-head each week. But in this format, you want to have those spike weeks. You want to have that correlation. So I highly, highly urge people to, when you draft a quarterback or you draft a wide receiver high, try to pair them up So therefore, when you have these playoff weeks, you have what we call these spike weeks, where uh, you might have two touchdowns, which your receiver is going to have. Obviously, your quarterback's going to have it as well. You want that correlated. So it's really deep thinking from a strategic side of things, which I think is a huge advantage for those who put in the work rather than just uh, drafting these mindlessly. But um, but it's great fun, and it's a great follow. We talk about bang for your buck. Uh, I love betting some futures from an entertainment side of things because you make your one bet. You follow it all year long. The same thing happens with these best balls. You draft your team now and you sit back and you can follow along and see how you do throughout the year. But um, best advice I can give you, correlate your teams, get your wide receivers, tight ends with those quarterbacks. So in those big money weeks when they matter late in the season, uh, you're primed to have the uh, the biggest score out of the, uh, the 15 or 20 people you're competing against that week.
0: Check out this man on social media at Dan underscore Bach from Roto Grinders. As you can tell, he's a stud. Terrific work, Dan, as always. Even if I didn't agree with some of it, you backed it up phenomenally. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Hope we can do it again. Thank you,
0: Dan. Also, check out my boy at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. Next week, we've got a whale of a guest. Hint, hint. Make sure you're ready for that one. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or in Indiana... One hundred nine with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires twenty five times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.